You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today's episode being brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Today is Monday, May 24th, and the battle in Seattle is finally coming back. We will talk about that today on the show, along with a recap of Gonzaga's big three-game series against San Francisco over the weekend. And of course, we'll get to some pro Zags updates. We'll get to the 13th ranked recruiting class as well in the Mark Few era. And this is where it starts to get very, very difficult to di- differentiate between all of the classes. But first, we are going to talk about Gonzaga getting a new assistant coach to replace Tommy Lloyd. And it is Stephen Gentry coming back to Gonzaga. Stephen Gentry played at Gonzaga as a walk-on in the early to mid-2000s. And then he coached with Brad Underwood for several seasons. He was with Brad Underwood at Oklahoma State. He was with Brad Underwood at Stephen F. Austin. And then he went to Gonzaga for a couple of years and was their uh, director of basketball operations. And then he went back to coach with Brad Underwood at Illinois for each of the last couple of seasons. And so he was instrumental, not just in Illinois' um, top 10, top 15 offense this season, but he's also been largely, largely influential in their huge defensive growth over the last couple of seasons. They've risen 73 spots in defensive efficiency uh, since Stephen Gentry took over that spot. So he's coming to Gonzaga now. He's going to fill the chair that Tommy Lloyd left behind. So well, Brian Michelson, Roger Powell, Stephen Gentry, Two former Gonzaga walk-ons, now two assistant coaches, which is pretty cool. The other piece of news that came out over the weekend, uh, two pieces of scheduling news, actually. The first is that the tournament that Gonzaga was going to play at Madison Square Garden is now being moved to the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, which is quite a unfortunate move, and I'm sure that the um, teams are not very happy about that. And then the other piece of scheduling news is that the battle in Seattle is coming back. It appears that it's not going to be called Battle of Seattle. It is going to be an annual event hosted uh, by a different managing group company. Uh, but Gonzaga is going to headline it, it sounds like, on a yearly basis. And so that's going to take place December 4th at the new Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. And according to Jeff Goodman, they are going to play a highly ranked Power 5 team. And the early rumor is that it's going to be the Alabama Crimson Tide. And if it is, Alabama is in pretty much every single preseason top 25 pool as a top 10 team. Alabama finished this season as a two seed in the NCAA tournament uh, before being bounced. And they were the two, Alabama and Gonzaga were the two fastest high tempo teams in all of college basketball. So it would be uh, really a track meet if those two met up. I was really, really interested to see what those two teams would look like if they faced each other this past season. And that would have been a final four matchup. And one of the ones that I really wanted more than anything else for Gonzaga this year was to face Alabama just to see how they would go up against a a fairly similar up and down style as them. Uh, But we didn't get that, but it sounds like it's a possibility that we'll get that in December, uh, December 4th coming up uh, later this year. Okay, let's get to some pro Zags updates before we talk about some baseball. Rui Hachimura and the eighth seed Washington Wizards took the number one seed Philadelphia 76ers down to the wire in game one on Sunday morning. Rui played 36 minutes. 
He had 12 points, 5 rebounds, no turnovers, but the game was highlighted by Bradley Beal for Washington and Tobias Harris for the 76ers. Sixers won by 7. They're up one game to nothing in that series. The other uh, Zags in the NBA playoffs, Brandon Clark and the Memphis Grizzlies. They upset the Warriors in the uh, 8-seed playing game. So the Memphis Grizzlies are the 8-seed, and they upset the Jazz, the top seed overall, the team with the best record in the NBA. The Grizzlies beat them 112-109 in Game 1 of their 7-game series. On Sunday, Brandon Clark, again, out of the rotation, no longer playing for Memphis, and neither is Killian Tilly. Brandon Clark is a casualty of Jaron Jackson Jr. returning healthy. And so he has fallen completely out of the rotation, and I doubt that he sees many minutes at all in the NBA playoffs, which is unfortunate considering he's been a huge part of their rotation each of the first two seasons that he's been in the NBA. So now we go overseas. The Kevin Pangos versus Nigel Williams-Goss championship match, the dream is dead. Nigel Williams-Goss's team got swept. They lost 74-70 to over the weekend. They got swept three games to nothing. Nigel had 17 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists in the Game 3 loss. Kevin Pangos' team also lost over the weekend, so their team is down two games to one in their series. They lost 96-82. to uh, Game 4 of that series is today. In Game 3 in the loss, Kevin Pangos had 15 points and 5 assists. So Kevin Pangos' team, the top overall seed in the VTB United League, down two games to one. And Nigel Williams-Goss' team, who was the number two overall seed, got swept. So Kevin Pangos keeping hopes alive for a, a Gonzaga championship, but the dream of Pangos going against Nigel for that title is dead. Silas Melson, his team in Belgium, lost game one of their three-game series earlier last week. They came back and won game two and game three, so they are advancing to the semifinals. In game three, Silas Melson went off. They won 90-85. to 85. In the clinching game three, Silas Melson had a game-high 28 points. He went six for nine from deep to lead his team to the five-point winner-take-all game three, and so his team is now in a best-of-five semifinal series in Belgium, and that series will start later this week. Jeremy Jones, his team was down two games to nothing, but they pulled off a win on Sunday to get back to within 2-1 to one in that best-of-five series. Jeremy Jones had 10 points and five rebounds in that victory. Austin Day, he had a very, very eventful last few days. They had a decisive Game 5 in their quarterfinal series. They won by two points, 93-91. to Austin Day with 20 points and five rebounds in that win. And Game 1 of their semifinal series, which took place uh, on Saturday, they lost by two points. So they're down one game to nothing in the semifinals. Uh, Austin Day had 14 points, six rebounds in the Game 1 loss. Game 2 taking place this morning. Austin Day playing in Italy right now. All right, that's going to do it for the news and notes and a recap of the Pro Zags. Coming up, we are going to recap Gonzaga's three-game baseball series with San Francisco. The first two games were fantastic. The third game was a huge dud. Uh, So we'll tell you exactly where Gonzaga stands heading into the final weekend of the regular season. But first, I'm going to talk about Lucy Nicotine. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has lozenges with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. And it's convenient and discreet. 
Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. Lucy was researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Locked on college network listeners, you can go to lucy.co and use the promo code locked on college to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use the promo code locked on college at checkout. I have to give this disclaimer warning. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Go to lucy.co and be sure to use the promo code locked on college. Okay, let's talk about some Gonzaga baseball. The Bulldogs entered this three-game series with San Francisco at home this weekend, two games up on the Toreros, who were facing Portland, and Gonzaga is looking to take either two or three from the Dons to bolster their chances at hosting a regional in the NCAA tournament. They took the first two games of the series. They won game one, three to two. Ernie Yake, who was out the last four games coming off of COVID pause, he returned this weekend, and in the first game back, On the first pitch that he saw, he hit a homer to right field. So a pretty incredible return for Gonzaga's shortstop and leadoff hitter. Uh, Gonzaga would add on two more in the first inning. They went up 3-1, to and that was enough for Alec Jacob and the bullpen to hold on. Alec Jacob pitched seven innings, gave up two runs, struck out six. Another excellent outing. He improved to 6-1, and which is the most wins on the team. And then Tristan Vreeling came in and got his second save of the season. He pitched two perfect innings with three strikeouts. So Gonzaga took game one of the series three to two, and they followed it up with a wild game two, one of the weirdest games you'll ever see. Gonzaga took a one nothing lead in the first inning, and then William Kempner and Michael Spellacy faltered a little bit, uh, and they gave up five runs in the middle innings. So USF had a 5-1 lead going to the bottom of the fifth, and for some reason, they took out their starting pitcher, Jesse Barron, and brought in Alex Pham. Alex Pham had been one of their best bullpen arms the entire season. So it's not questionable, I guess, that they brought him in. But Barron had been pitching really, really well in those four innings. So they brought in Alex Pham, and Gonzaga loaded the bases on him. Pham then proceeded to walk four batters in a row. Four bases-loaded walks tied the game for Gonzaga 5-5. to Pham came out of the game. Max Jones came in. Uh, to stop the damage. So after five innings, the game was tied 5-5. It remained that way up until the bottom of the eighth inning where Gonzaga loaded the bases again with a chance to take the lead. And Max Jones threw a wild pitch with the bases loaded. So Gonzaga, down 5-1, to one, got four bases loaded walks to tie the game and then a bases loaded wild pitch to take the lead in the bottom of the eighth. An absolutely wild, ridiculous way to win a baseball game. Tristan Vreeling came in in the ninth inning and got a save for the second straight day. A uh, perfect ninth inning there. And Gonzaga holds on 6-5. to five. Sunday's a game that we probably just shouldn't talk about. San Francisco scored two in the second. And Gonzaga had a chance to cut into that lead, but got thrown out at home plate to end the fourth inning. And then uh, San Francisco scored four in the fifth, four in the sixth. And that was pretty much it. Gonzaga... Got beat up 11-1. to So, after this series, Gonzaga is up two games on San Diego in the WCC standings, and they face each other in a three-game series coming up this weekend with the WCC title on the line. Not only is the WCC championship on the line, San Diego's NCAA tournament hopes also on the line. 
Gonzaga's chance to host a regional, also on the line. It's about as perfect a setup as you can ask for for the final three games of the season. They're going to take place this weekend at Steve Hertz Field in Spokane. Uh, Gabriel Hughes is likely still going to be out another week. He has a broken finger that he suffered in the Washington State game in April, and so... Uh, that's Gonzaga's Saturday starter, and it's also their starting designated hitter. He plays two ways. It sounds like, from everything that I heard this weekend, is that they're hopeful that Hughes is back for the NCAA tournament, which would be huge because they need that Saturday starter. He is, uh, they have said before, the coaching staff has, that he has the potential to be somewhere between a fourth and a sixth round pick as a pitcher in the MLB draft. He is that good. Um, so it'd be great to have him and Alec Jacob ready to roll. And then they can use either Alec Gomez or William Kempner as that third starter in the NCAA tournament if they have to. So uh, we'll wait and see on Gabriel Hughes. He's unlikely to play against San Diego this weekend. But like I said, about as big a series as you can ask for to finish the regular season. Of course, we'll preview that series later on this week. We may get a guest on as well to talk about the national landscape when it comes to Gonzaga and their actual chances of hosting a regional. Their best chance of doing so is to take all three from San Diego. I think if they take all three, they're going to host. If they take only two out of three, they may need some help around them. And pretty much every other major conference has conference tournaments this week. Gonzaga and the WCC has no conference tournament. It's just the end of the regular season and a regular season champion show. A lot to keep an eye on, a lot of scoreboard watching. And I may update you probably on Wednesday. We'll do a lot of baseball talk um, and kind of give a rundown of what you should be rooting for and what you should be looking for in terms of college baseball in the final three or four days of the season. Okay, coming up, we are going to get to the 13th ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. And this is where it starts to get extremely, extremely difficult because all of these classes have superstars in them. And so you kind of have to differentiate exactly how uh, valuable this class was in a, in a kind of an overall level. So we'll talk about the class uh, that I chose today, the 13th ranked recruiting class here in just a second. But first, of course, we have to talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate and all bars. If you don't want to try my favorite flavor of salted caramel, you can try a mixed box with multiple flavors. They also currently have a special white chocolate birthday cake flavor. All of these flavors are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to Built Bar, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, like always, a quick recap for those of you that are new here. Over the next month or so, we are counting down from worst recruiting class to best recruiting class of the Mark Few era. These rankings do include transfers, and those transfers count from the year they entered the program, and the most notable walk-ons are also included, and one of those is in today's class. These are my own personal rankings. They're a combination of talent, success, tournament success, and what they meant to the program as a whole. Friday's class was the class of 2005 that included Jeremy Pargo. Today, the 13th ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era is the class of 2000. The class of 2000. And 
This is a really, really hard, this may be one, I mean, I'm going to say this so many times, but this is probably one of the hardest classes to rank because there's so many good players in it. And, and you know, they, they kind of built on their 1999 success. And without this class, you know, they could have gone back into oblivion and not be heard from again. But with this class, they continued forward um, and kept making the tournament. So that's huge. But their early exits in the tournament itself is one of the reasons I have them lower than what many others may have them. So let's get to it. The class of 2000 includes Brian Michelson as a walk-on, Anthony Reason, Alex Hernandez, Corey Violet, Kyle Bankhead, Blake Stepp. And I know that uh, a lot of people think this class is probably going to be too undervalued, um, which is fair. So let's talk about all of them. Anthony Reason and Alex Hernandez both played two years for Gonzaga. Uh, by his second year, An- uh, Anthony Reason started pretty much every game he played in. He started 32 of the 33 games and was just a really good overall player. Uh, he did kind of a little bit of everything, an athletic wing, rebounded, defended extremely well. And Hernandez was kind of in that same role off the bench. Uh, Hernandez averaged right around six points, three rebounds, and an assist while Reason averaged five points, four rebounds, and an assist and a half. So two really good role players the two years they were in Spokane. Nothing spectacular, uh, but they were are, you know big pieces uh, in those two tournament runs in 2001 and 2002. Of course, Brian Michelson, the walk-on, did not get a ton of playing time, but we all know what has happened uh, since then. Actually, in school itself, uh, we heard this story from one of our listeners, but one of the reasons that Roni Turioff decided to stay was because he was such good friends with Brian Michelson. Um, so he's been character building since the moment he was in school, and now he's taken that character building and relationships, and he's turned it into him becoming an elite recruiter as an assistant coach. Uh, and that is really where he's made his money. Is It's just an, a ridiculous ability to cultivate relationships uh, and foster those relationships and become a fantastic coach, a fantastic recruiter, and a huge part of Gonzaga's success on and off the court over the last 20 years. Corey Violet, he took over a starting spot his sophomore year at Gonzaga, and he became a double-double machine, really. Uh, in, his, in 2004, he led the WCC in rebounding, and he led the WCC in field goal percentage. He's top five in Gonzaga history in rebounds. He's top 10 in blocks. He also had an international career once he graduated from Gonzaga. He played in Italy for a couple seasons. He played in Turkey. He played in Japan for three years. Uh, and he averaged double figures pretty much every season overseas as well. So uh, Corey Violet was a huge, huge player uh, for Gonzaga's success in the early 2000s, as was Kyle Bankhead. And Kyle Bankhead is one of the best shooters that Gonzaga has ever seen. He left Gonzaga shooting 45.5% in his four years. None of his four seasons, he shot below 40%, which is ridiculous. His freshman year, he shot 51%. Sophomore year, 41%. Junior year, 40% on 143s, which is impressive. And his senior year, he shot 54.7%. But the shining star of this class is Blake Stepp, one of the all-time great and probably one of the most underrated Gonzaga players ever. He started 126 of the 128 games he played in. He averaged 13 points a game over those four years, and he won back-to-back WCC Player of the Year awards. He's top five all-time in Gonzaga assists. He's top five all-time in threes, 
and he holds the program record for a single game assists with 16. He won 105 games in his career, which tied a school record at the time of his graduation. Those last three guys I talked about, Blake Stepp, Kyle Bankhead, Corey Violet, they were four-year players. And those four guys built upon, I mentioned this earlier, they built upon the 1999 success and their ability to get to the Elite Eight. And without a really solid class in 2000, Gonzaga may have slipped back to where they were in the 90s. But these three guys came in and continued that success. The unfortunate part is that they didn't advance in the tournament uh, kind of as much as people may have thought they should have. In 2002, they got wildly underseeded as a sixth seed after going 29-4. and four. But even as that sixth seed, if you're wildly underseeded, you should probably win. They lost to the 11-seed Wyoming in the first round. 2003, I don't blame them. They played one of the greatest tournament games of all time uh, against Arizona, where they lost in double overtime. But then the 2004 season, they were a two seed, and they lost in the second round to 10th seed Nevada. So a couple early disappointing exits, and that kind of hinders them a little bit. But I think the importance of this class is that they built upon what happened in 1999. Because without those classes in 99 and 2000 and 2001 that allowed the school to keep going back to the NCAA tournament over and over and over, uh, maybe you don't get you know, the Morrison and Rivio class of 2003 or the J.P. Batistas in 2004. And you don't, you, know, you don't continue to get more and more high players uh, and recruits. Like Austin Day was the first five-star in 2007. Like all of those classes are coming up you know, in the next week or two, and without the success of Blake Step and Bankhead and Violet, uh, those classes probably don't end up happening. So in retrospect, maybe this class should have been higher. Maybe I just talked myself into it. But I think their um, lack of tournament success overall is the reason that I have them at 12 or 13th rather, rather than maybe the top 10. Okay, that is going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow on the show, we are going to hear from Philip Petrushev. That's right, Philip Petrushev. You'll hear from him on the show tomorrow. He's sitting down with Brenna Green and our partners over at Krem2. So you'll hear that interview tomorrow on the show. We'll also talk a little bit more about Gonzaga baseball and we'll recap some pro zags as well. And of course, we'll get to the 12th ranked recruiting class in school history. We are getting down to the nitty gritty when it comes to recruiting classes. Don't forget, you can tune in to the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today on the show, they are talking about the New York Knicks being stunned by the Atlanta Hawks and Father Time losing at the PGA Championship. Phil Mickelson, what a story that is. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast, Locked On Zags. Please leave a review with your Gonzaga story. I will read them every Friday on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. That's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show with your story or any questions, ideas, concerns, whatever you want to say to me, feel free to do so. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We will see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.